this patient had a uh, root canal procedure done on tooth number nine, and tooth number ten had uh, was actually misshapen from uh, from birth or from the time this tooth erupted into his mouth, and then it had several composites and it had been chipped. And it was time for that to receive a full crown as well. So you'll notice there's a lot of incisal characteristics on tooth number eight, which is going to make this a difficult case. On a case like this, obviously, it's much easier if we can do eight and nine. But in this case, the patient wanted to do number nine and ten alone. And if we didn't get a good result with tooth number nine, he was open to the idea of placing a veneer on tooth number eight to help it match tooth number nine a little bit better. But he did want to attempt to just place single unit restorations on teeth number nine and 10 before we did any work to tooth number eight. And I was okay with that as well. So we began treatment with the patient and uh, this was about a year ago and we actually placed wool ceram crowns. And we placed the wool ceram crowns and they looked nice. And about a year later, the patient decided to bleach his teeth and he had a really fantastic result where the rest of his maxillary teeth got a lot lighter. And at that point, he decided he wanted to take those crowns off and put two new ones on, and he wished he had bleached before we had done the crowns on 9 and 10. So we decided to take them off and uh, go ahead and place lava crowns on teeth number 9 and 10. What you see here is the removal of those wool ceram crowns, and uh, we're using a, a high-speed uh, electrotorque handpiece from Cavo, and we're using an old diamond to uh, cut through the ceramic material. I've been asked at my lectures before, you know, people saying rumors that uh, you can't cut through zirconia oxide, and how can you ever take off, you know, wool ceram, or how could you ever take off something like Zircon, another zirconia-based product? And that simply uh, is not true. I think most of the lecturers who have said that have not actually taken these crowns off before. It is not all that much more difficult than taking off, say, a base metal PFM or something like that. You can use an old diamond like we're using here to go through the ceramic material and the underlying zirconia material. You could use a turbo crown cutter from Axis Dental. But you can see here with the electric handpiece, so I do have a lot of torque here with my cable electric handpiece. I get through the uh, zirconia coping uh, without too much difficulty here and without really having to struggle or dulling a bunch of diamonds, and we can work our way through. Um, the interesting thing on some of these restorations is how strong the cement bond is to the tooth. And the, In this case, the wool ceram crowns uh, were placed with a product from 3M Espy with their Relyx Looting Cement Plus which is a resin-reinforced glass ionomer, and it's been around for a long time. It used to be called vitromer looting cement, and it just continues to get better. The plus refers to the paste-paste dispensing system versus the powder and the liquid, which makes it easier to mix in a nice, consistent mix. Very easy cement to clean up, very low post-operative sensitivity. Uh, it's the most popular cement in the world, and there's a lot of good reasons why, uh, because of the fact that it's easy to use and we get such good results. So after we've put our traditional slot through the incisal and the facial surface of these crowns, you'll notice we have a crown remover in here. And if these were PFMs, we could just spread the crown open and pull it right off. But you'll notice with the all ceramic crowns, half of it comes off at a time and the other half is bonded so well to the tooth that it won't come off. And we're going to end up placing another slot into that half of the crown to take it off. You can see both mesial halves of the wool ceram crowns have in fact come off but the distal halves have stayed on. I go in quickly with a hemostat and trying to see if those are loose and they're not loose at all. So I need to take another diamond burr 
and uh, make another cut, this one horizontal, uh, through the two distal surfaces of the remaining wool ceram crowns. And really, like I said before, this is a testament to the bond strengths that we get with the Reliax Looting Cement Plus. This is the type of bond strength you'd expect to get bonding it in with a resin cement, whether it was Unisem or Panavia or, or something like that when you bond things into place. But this really isn't bonded. This is just a resin-reinforced glass ionomer standard crown and bridge cement. And once again, you can see when I go to break off that incisal half, uh, the incisal half comes off, but the gingival half stays on. And I'm getting tired of cutting this crown in half. So at this point, I've put a large diamond burr into my cable electrotor cam piece. And now I'm going in and actually just prepping it away as though it were part of the tooth. And you can see it falls off there. And we're going to go do the same thing, get a little residual cement off the other tooth. And to me, this is one of the great uh, testaments. And I've seen this many, many times taking off all ceramic crowns that, um, or even some PFMs too, uh, but not so much on PFMs that our modern cements do in fact work. There really is no better proof of whether or not they work than something like this. Now we're using a little um, Viscostat Plus from uh, Ultradent, a little ferric sulfate around these um, preparations and we're drying them off. There's just a little bit of bleeding from the crown removal that was present before. And now we're going to go ahead and pack a double zero cord into place here. We try not to use the ferric sulfate too much um, if possible because of the fact that um, sometimes you'll see some discoloration with the retraction cord. Sometimes the ferrous sulfate will, um, you'll notice the gingiva turns uh, kind of a different color, kind of a purplish color for maybe a couple of hours. Some clinicians are worried about it leaching underneath an all ceramic restoration. But again, this is going to be lava. It's got a zirconia coping underneath it. And one of the nice things about it is it does block out discolorations from endodontically treated teeth and things like that. So this double zero cord is placed around both preparations. Again, this is uh, an ultra pack plain cord from Ultra Dent. There is no medication or astringent on this cord because it's going to be in place for a while as the bottom cord of the two cord technique. We're going to cut both ends of this with the scissors here and pack them down so they're flush. We don't want any part of this cord extending above the gingiva because the point of this cord is to retract the gingiva a half millimeter to three quarters of a millimeter in order to be able to better visualize and prepare um, the gingival margins. So you can see that um, we can see the margins just barely as we put this cord in. So we know by the time we put the second cord, the top cord, the number two cord in, we will have good visualization uh, of our gingival margin, but we won't have to drop it down any farther. In fact, said these, since these crowns already had all ceramic crowns that were successful, except for the shade uh, in place, we know we're not going to have to do much preparation at all. In fact, most of the preparation was getting the old crowns off and getting the cement off. This is a 2E cord. Now, the green cord, the top cord in the two-cord technique that's being put into place right now. It does have some epinephrine in it, and hence the E in, when it's referred to as a 2E cord. And uh, again, this is a good case for a little epinephrine because of the bleeding that we have um, in the area due to taking off the old crowns and the gingiva being a little lacerated during the crown uh, removal stage of things. And any patient, my experience has been any patient who can handle epinephrine in a local anesthetic injection is fine with it in the cord. And any patient who has a problem with epinephrine in the injection and requires a plain anesthetic such as carbocaine should not have epinephrine in the cord. 
in which case we will just use a plain number two chord rather than a two E chord. And you can see a little of that discoloration that I'm talking about there as the ink in the chord reacts with the ferric sulfate just a little bit. So a little purple almost looks like an India ink there on the gingiva, but it's not permanent and it's nothing more than a discoloration. Now that that chord is in, we can clearly see our margins and what's going on here. So uh, I've got a our large size burr, the 856025 burr, and I'm just using that to clean up the internal line angles of our small shoulder or our deep chamfer, whatever you'd like to refer to our margin as. Just making sure there's no undercuts, there's no cement there, cleaning up around the edges. Typically, this part of the preparation is done after the first chord, the double zero chord is in place, and all this preparation would take place prior to placement of the top chord, the number two chord. But because the margins were slightly subgingival, we waited till both chords were in place before we started going and just clean up a little bit. Now that the top chord's in, we've placed two copper caps, two anatomically sculptured copper caps from Coltine Weldent next to each other. Those are going to stay in place for about 8 to 10 minutes. We're going to then pull the retraction cords. As soon as the cords come out, I'm going to go ahead and express some medium body material into those two sulcuses of those two teeth while my dental assistant fills the tray with heavy body material and uh, hands it to me and we'll go ahead and insert the tray. We try to insert the uh, back part of the tray first whenever possible so that the excess material comes to the front if, in fact, we feel that we have too much material. In the tray, we were able to take an impression here with the retractors in. That's not always possible. We wait three minutes and pop the impression out. We've got nice contrast between the light body and the heavy body material. So let's go ahead and take a look at the impression and see what kind of detail we have. And that's exactly what I like to see. You can see the entire margin all the way around both of the teeth. And then more importantly, you can see some impression material extending beyond that margin, about a millimeter or a millimeter and a half past the margin. And that's a real testament to the two-chord technique. Not only do you see the entire margin, but you see beyond the margin. So there's no doubt in the technician's mind where the edge of the margin is on the die stone and where that crown needs to be and what, more importantly, the emergence profile should look like, which is not only important for the health of the gingiva, but for the aesthetics of the restorations as well. Here are the patient's temporaries uh, made from a pre-impression and temporaries just slightly dark, but otherwise look fine. The keys are to keep the uh, incisal embrasures nice and open so the gingiva has a chance to heal. We do not want to impinge on the gingiva at this point. That is a big... Uh, big no-no. It's okay to do that with the um, permanent restorations if we have a little pressure on that interproximal where we seat it, but we certainly don't want to have any pressure at all while the temporaries are on. In fact, I'd prefer we have an open gingival embrasure where there's actually a space where the patient could swish water back and forth. We're now removing the temporaries with a pair of curved hemostats, and we'll take a look to see how everything looks. The gingiva appears to be in pretty good shape. The preparations appear to be in good shape too. Just using a little cotton roll to clean some of the cement off. Trying in the central incisor, the first lava restoration. And I can see some pressure on the gingiva when I push it into place. Again, this is to be expected somewhat with preparations that are slightly subgingival. You will see some blanching of the gingiva, uh, which is not a big deal. It does mean you need to hold the restorations into place. Here I'm using two orangewood sticks to hold them into place, and you can see they blend in uh, very nicely with the new shade of the teeth. And we've got the shape uh, and shade and contours uh, look very nice between those two. The central incisors match. He has that pointier 
central uh, lateral incisor on uh, tooth number seven. You can see tooth number 10 matches that morphologically and tooth number eight and tooth number nine match as well. So when you do have some pressure on the tissue as you put it into place, there's nothing uh, wrong with that to have a small amount of blanching. In fact, it goes away relatively quickly, almost by the end of the cementation process itself, those four or five minutes. But you do want to make sure when you put it into place that you push both of them into place. And here I'm just using an orangewood stick real quick to verify the length uh, of the central incisors and that make sure that the plane uh, that goes between the incisal edge of those two central incisors is in fact parallel to the patient's inner pupillary line. So here I'm putting the first crown into place. Again, this is with that same cement that worked for us so well with the Wolseram crowns. Uh, this is the 3M SB Reliax Looting Cement Plus that we're putting in the lava crowns with. And because of the film thicknesses, um, you can push the crowns right to place with your fingers. Here we're putting two orangewood sticks together to hold these into place more because of uh, the fact that we're working against the tissue just a little bit here. And again, that small amount of blanching will go away. And I don't mind putting a little pressure on the gingiva in a situation like this because it means that we're going to have nice closed, nice full gingival embrasures rather than having a black triangle there. And even though we don't need our margins slightly subgingival with uh, lava restorations, um, it still looks nice for emergence profile to have the crown uh, starting from just under the gingiva. So after waiting uh, about a minute and a half, we begin to clean up uh, the Reliax Looting Cement. It's a very easy cleanup. It comes off basically in just one chunk. It comes off very easy from glazed porcelain surfaces too. You can just wet a little cotton roll and clean it off at that point. Or you can wait a little bit later and I'll use uh, like a, a greenie or a super greenie from the old gold polishing kits we have to remove the cement from the facial of the porcelain because the rubber wheels will not affect the porcelain. Or you can use something like a one gloss wheel from Shofu. Anything that will remove composite but not do any damage or make any changes to the porcelain itself. Just cleaning up some excess cement from the gingival embrasures on the lingual. Then we'll go through with a piece of dental floss with a knot in it to make sure we remove um, any pieces of cement that are stuck in there. This is certainly a good way to create a black triangle is leave a piece of cement in a gingival embrasure for a period of time and you will in fact get some gingival recession there. Now that the crowns are in and the cement is cleaned up, we're going to go ahead and check the patient's bite, see if there's any prematurities or anything else going on over there. And I can see one spot on the mesiolingual of tooth number nine. So we're going ahead and adjusting that with a 7408 burr, a carbide burr, a slightly dull carbide burr. That's not a new one. So after a couple adjustments here, the occlusion is back to where it needs to be, just that one interference. Again, we're using a one gloss uh, cup from Shofu to clean up any excess cement that might be on the crowns themselves. The one gloss cup will make uh, composite stand out very quickly and usually remove most of it uh, from a glazed ceramic crown um, so that you don't have to. At the same time, it will not remove the glaze from the porcelain itself. So this is a very easy way just to clean any excess cement off of the uh, facial or lingual surfaces if we do have some extra there. And here's the final result, a retracted view of the lava crowns, now cement on teeth number uh, uh, 9 and 10. Um, you know, it's one of those difficult ones where when you have two teeth like this, you need to match 
the central incisor and you need to match the uh, cuspid as well. And the technicians did a good job of matching the contralateral teeth as well. You know, number seven and number 10 uh, anatomically look very much uh, the same right now, the same type of incisal edge. And it's nice to see the technician pay attention to uh, pay attention to what we're doing there. And in the non-retracted view, when the lip's down a little bit, um, they blend in uh, pretty nicely. And again, when you look at number 10 and number seven, you can see that the uh, uh, contralateral uh, tooth anatomy was used to help shape uh, that tooth on number 10. And uh, number nine was a little easier to do with number eight next door. But uh, all in all, a very nice result um, that we have here. And based on how difficult it was to take off the preceding Wolseram crowns, uh, we know lava fits better, uh, according to our in-house tests, than the Wolstram does. And since we're using that same cement, we can expect uh, many, many years of uh, successful use and longevity from these new lava crowns for our patient. 